Hey there, friends and foes. Welcome to Wednesday Night Bites. I am the prophet of pop culture, John Pika. You can call me Johnny. And uh, tonight, we're going to have a discussion about some new comics. I'm going to show off some new games. And we're going to talk about the apparent failure of the Marvels from the MCU. And we're going to do that right after this from DL Memphis and the Murdering Crows. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse. The first star was James Dean. Helmets Presley and he's still the king. Some things are only All right, friends and foes, I'm coming to you live tonight. It is Wednesday night from the Houdini room, the Sanctum Sanctorum, and um, it's just me, me and you tonight. Um, And this is a brand new series that tonight you get a preview of, because going forward, this will be a, a live stream available exclusively only to our Patreon supporters. So if you've ever wanted to become a patron and support the uh, programming that we do, this will be one of the weekly live streams that will only be available for our patron supporters at patreon.com slash Serial Box Podcast. And along with this, We'll be doing some exclusive content. The brand new episodes of Back Issue Breakfast Club are only available on Patreon. And uh, there may be some other cool stuff coming, other exclusives, first looks, um, patron exclusive content. So um, anyway, that's enough about that. Who am I? Avengers comic books. Star Wars movies, and Saturday morning cartoons made me who I am today. And so to celebrate the fun of that youth, I started uh, back at the cereal box because when I was a kid, we didn't have iPhones or tablets at the uh, breakfast table on Saturday morning, first day with my new son. We were reading the back of the cereal box. And on the back of the cereal box, there were comics, sometimes in the box. There were comics, there were games, there were records, there were posters, um, toys. You would dig into the box and pull out the prize. And that's what our podcast is all about. But on Wednesday nights, it's just an opportunity for you and I to chat a little bit off topic. We don't have any specific topic on Wednesday nights. This will be just for us. And um, today is new comic book day in the United States. And so I did stop by the comic book shop on the way home. Light week for me. Um, not a whole lot on my essentials list, on my hot picks. 
And at this one particular comic shop on my way home, they don't carry all of the stuff that I want. That I don't get what I really want until I uh, go on Saturday next town over. But for my fix, my midweek fix, I stopped by The Great Escape, and I can get most of the Marvel and DC releases that week. Not all of them, most of them. And this week, I did pick up Moon Knight number 30. And this is the end of a long-running story arc written by Jed McKay with uh, art by um, Alessandro Capuccio. And if you guys have been paying attention, you know I've been a big fan of this series even before Jed McKay took over 30 issues ago. Um, when, you know, when uh, uh, Jeff Lemire did his series, and even before that, um, who was it? Uh, was it Grant Morrison? I think so. Um, their Moon Knight series were great. I love Moon Knight. He's one of my favorite characters. And this has been teased as the death of Moon Knight. Spoiler alert. If you, if you are planning to read this and you haven't yet, stop right now. <laughs> Come back in five minutes because I'm going to spoil this. I have absolutely loved this run. The artwork is so dynamic. It is so, um, I mean, it, it's so stylized. It's so dynamic. It's just everything that a Moon Knight comic should be. And spoiler alert, Mark Spector gives his life at the end of this issue to save New York City and maybe the world. And um, this is the end of Mark Spector for now. We know that nothing is permanent in comics. Death is not permanent. He will be back eventually. When, who knows. But for now, Jed McKay is telling a fantastic story. And he's basically built a new super team helming the midnight mission um and uh, next issue is a new series called vengeance of the moon knight starts in uh starts issue number one in january and it promises a new moon knight but we don't know who it is so you know it's interesting how marvel how the Marvel comics and the Marvel cinematic universe never seem to sync up. Um, I don't know why they've decided to kill off Moon Knight when they have a Moon Knight season two in development at Disney plus. Is this just a, you know, a, a publicity stunt? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but for now, ding dong, Mark Spector's dead. And um, there will be a new Moon Knight. I expect maybe a year or two, probably around the time that the new series comes out, that he'll be back. But great series, great issue. Um, I'm going to need to go back and reread this latest story arc 
just like the last five issues, because I think I missed something. But that that will come. Now, um, we don't get to cover this a whole lot. Every every Saturday morning, you know, we dig into the cereal box and we pull out new loot, um, the prizes from the cereal box, toys and games and whatnot. And we don't get to play talk about games a whole lot. But in my house, we love games. And so this week, I thought I'd uh, show you one of my newest games. One of the newest ones I picked up. I picked this up at Meyer in, um, was it Bow- Bowling Green, I think. Yeah, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Meyer. Um, check it out. It's called Spots. And here's the premise. Dogs have spots. Dice have spots. Fill in your dog to win. So super simple. This is really a simple game. You, um, you have cards that have dogs on them and you have dice and you roll the dice until you have matches to complete these dogs. And when you, uh, when you complete one card, every card you complete, you get a little bone. And um, at the end, when all of the cards are claimed, the player with the most bones wins and gets the uh, gets the blue ribbon. Now, there are some additional rules, some um, cards that change things up as you go. So that's the simple game. Um, you can add treats. And uh, it uh, has additional game-changing rules, but um, a lot of different ways to play this game. And, you know, they had it at Meyer, And we love playing games. I love dice games, especially. And rolling dice to match cards is one of my favorite mechanics on a, on a game. So um, check it out. If you, if you like easy to play, easy to learn, quick to play, fun games for you know all ages check out spots it's uh, a game for one to four players so one player can play it you can play it solo and it takes about 30 minutes to play but uh, check out spots for a great fun game and cartoon commotion kate hawkins says hiya johnny neat game it is a neat game it's uh it's a lot of fun and uh, for those of you who are just tuning in and you didn't hear my intro, Wednesday Night Bites is going to be a Patreon exclusive after tonight. So this is your first taste. Every week we, we, we will do a Patreon patron exclusive live stream where we just we just get together and we talk about the stuff that we can't cover on Saturday morning. And this week, I, I really thought it important to address something. Last week, I, I did an impromptu stream just to address what I consider toxic fandom and the uh, problem of toxic fandom in the geek community. But I really wanted to talk about the uh, latest MCU movie, The Marvels. One, I want to give you my review. And then I want to talk about why it has not performed as expected. Um. First of all, my review is it's a lot of fun. It was a really fun movie. 
It was fast paced. It was one of the shorter movies of the MCU, which was okay. Not every story needs to be a three hour story. You know, as we talked about this past Saturday, Land Before Time was a 69 minute movie and it told a huge story in a short amount of time. And the Marvels was very similar. It told three separate stories about three different characters who all converge in the same place. And they all converge to, um, to, to, for a common goal, to save the Earth. And not just the Earth, but many other planets from the Kree accuser. And um, you, had, you had Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. You had Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. And you had Photon, Monica Rambeau. And the story is very simple. The accuser, the Ron, the uh, it's not Ronan, but a Cree accuser, and I can't remember her name. Um, but she finds the other quantum band. Now, the quantum band is what allowed Ms. Marvel in the Disney Plus series to tap into her mutant ability to manipulate light and to create solid light structures. Turns out it's quantum band. And in the comics, the quantum bands are worn by a character named Quasar who can create solid light constructs, very much like the Green Lantern in DC. But this is Marvel's equivalent. And he wears two, two quantum bands. Well, Ms. Marvel has one that has been on Earth. And this accuser is hunting for the pair. She finds the other one. And when she activates it, there's something in the quantum power that is connected to Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, and Photon. Somehow they're entangled. Their powers are connected through the quantum realm, I guess. Um, and when the when the quantum band is activated, every time they use their powers, they start switching places. And it's it's a it's a cool dilemma. It's a cool setup for what's to come. Long story short, they they band together, they team together, they fight together, they win the day. This was a comic book movie in every sense of the word. It was a lot of fun. It was what comic book movies should be. Fast-paced, fun, colorful, and innovative. The three of these characters had to train. They had to teach themselves how to use their powers in tandem with them switching and switching places. And it creates one of the most unique fight sequences I've ever seen in a movie. As they're fighting the accuser who is wielding the other quantum band and her accuser hammer, the uh, the staff is has a lot of power. Um, as they're fighting her, the three characters are switching back and forth as they, and it was just super innovative. The fight choreography was mm, beautiful. It had one of the funniest scenes in a movie that I've ever seen um, with the Flurkins. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but the way they used the Flurkins to escape from the space station 
was brilliant. One of the best plot devices I've ever seen in a movie. And then it had one of my favorite scenes in a movie this year when they went to the planet where they uh, only sing. They don't speak. They sing everything. It's a musical planet. They sing and they dance. And um, turns out Captain Marvel is the queen. She got married to the king or the prince, so she's a princess. So Captain Marvel is a Disney princess, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Brie Larson sings as Captain Marvel in this. It was a lot of fun. This isn't like a super serious groundbreaking series or groundbreaking movie with a lot of, you know, heavy themes and a lot of um, uh, gravitas or uh, like uh, game-changing crises. I mean, yes, they're, they're saving the earth. They're saving our sun from being extinguished. That's a big deal. But in terms of lasting effects and impact on the MCU as a whole, not really. This, this is a standalone movie and it's just a lot of fun. And if you love comic book movies, you're going to love this movie. Don't believe the hate from, you know, toxic fanboys. And we talked about that toxic fandom last week. So why did this movie underperform? You know, I really thought it would do better. It, it's this week. It's going to finally top over 200 million which is just meeting their production budget. They're still going to lose money. And what went wrong with this? I think a couple of things. Um, one, the studio overestimated the demand for Captain Marvel. The original Captain Marvel movie, yes, it topped over a billion dollars. It's one of the 54 movies in movie history to do a billion dollars. But remember, it was sandwiched between Infinity War and Endgame. And they really made it feel like she was going to be such an integral part of Endgame that you had to see that movie in between them. And it turned out she was integral. They really would not have won the battle in Endgame without her. Uh, you know, she destroyed Thanos' ships. But... Um, you know, beyond that, she wasn't a huge impact player in the way that fans thought she would be. So there was that. Now, we didn't have that this time around. This is coming at the tail end of, um, you know, phase, phase four, which has not been met with huge fan enthusiasm. And there's reasons for that, too. Uh, fans have been spoiled. They have forgotten what it was like in phase one and two of the MCU. Um, they had forgotten what it was like when movies were not totally connected. There was just a thin veil, uh, you know, a thin line running between them. And that's how phase four has been. The, the through line has been very thin, very faint. And really, it's been a rebuilding phase. You know, they finished phase three with Endgame, or is it phase five? You know what? I don't even care anymore. They finished the last phase with Endgame. Big, huge blowout. How do you follow up with that? It's impossible because not every movie can be Endgame level, uh, you know, status. It, it can't have that impact. It can't have that, um, 
you know, those dire consequences. So they, they basically started over with Black Widow and um, Shang-Chi and Black Panther and the Eternals. And, you know, they started over and they're rebuilding the MCU to a new, to a new crescendo with the uh, Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty. But to do that, they had to start a new piece. It's a new orchestral uh, movement. And um, so fandom has been turned off by that a little bit. They, they want everything to be endgame level. And it just can't be. So as a result, some of the interest from the hardcore fan base has fallen off. Now, you've got casual fans who were into the MCU and really with Endgame, they had had their fill. So there has been some drop off in both the hardcore fandom and the casual fandom. Does that mean there's superhero movie fatigue? No. Um, and, And here's my proof for that. Every year, there's, you know, hundreds of movies that come out of Hollywood. I think this year, 500 movies. Out of those, we had a handful that were superhero movies between, between DC and Marvel. Um, we had, uh, this year, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. We had Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. We had Blue Beetle. The Flash, and The Marvels. Five movies out of hundreds. There's no way you can say that there's superhero fatigue because it's not the majority of movies. Five in a year is not a lot. So is there superhero fatigue? No. I think a couple of things are going on. One we're still recovering from the COVID shutdowns. There are still a lot of people who just really became accustomed to staying at home and watching things on streaming. And part of that is the studio's fault, Um, especially Disney, especially with Pixar releases. Fans have come to expect them to be released on, on streaming. And now that they they happen so quickly, like uh, Black Adam came to streaming three weeks after it left the theater. Same with uh, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Um, Did Fury of the Gods come out this year? No, that was last year. Um, Yeah, only five this year. So fans have expected a really quick turnaround to streaming. So a lot of people are like, well, why... Why am I going to go to the theater, leave the house, and pay theater ticket prices to see something that I can watch at home? Now, me personally, I don't get that. I hate watching movies at home. I want the theater experience. And I don't think tickets are expensive. $15 for two or two and a half hours of entertainment, to me, that's a bargain. Especially when you consider if you go to the live show, if you go see a concert or a Broadway musical or even a sporting event, tickets are going to start 
at 50 bucks on the low end for the for the you know C the C level acts. Um, you know, Taylor Swift tickets were selling for as much as a thousand to two thousand dollars each. You go see a Broadway show, a hit Broadway show today, you're probably gonna pay two hundred dollars per ticket. Um, major concerts, you know, they're they're gonna be sixty-five to two hundred dollars each, maybe more. That's expensive to me. A football game. Um, tickets start at 50 bucks. Then you got to pay for parking, concessions. You're looking at $100 a person. So by comparison, movies are really bargain basement entertainment. It's super cheap. and um, But there is a portion of of the movie going public that's become accustomed to staying at home. So you have, you have that factor as we come out of COVID, then you have the, um, the fan disillusionment, you know, they're just not excited, um, the way they were. Um, and then we have the writer and actor strikes. What does that have to do with people going to see the movie? Well, there was no promotion from the actors. They couldn't go on talk shows and promote the movie and talk about how much fun it is and show the clips and you know tell the stories behind the scenes. There was none of that. And the actor strike didn't end until after the first weekend of the Marvels was out. And I think that did the most damage. Um, you know, Disney marketed this thing everywhere. I mean, marketing was really tight. But I I think at the end, they didn't give people the sense that they had to see it. And then there's the review bombs. Toxic fans who had no intention of seeing the movie. These are the these are the men middle-aged white men who are threatened by strong female lead characters going on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and just completely review bombing this movie before they saw it. And we live in a world today where a lot of the movie going public relies on those reviews. And they're seeing this movie, you know, getting just hammered in the reviews and they take this, well, I'll wait and see. Now, luckily, the word of mouth on this thing was huge after the opening weekend. Everybody I know that saw it absolutely loved the Marvels. And they told everyone they knew. And that has helped them gain some momentum, but unfortunately just not enough to turn a profit. So what does that mean for the MCU? Excellent question. I'm glad you asked. Does that mean that we're not going to see the further stories of these characters? No. Does that mean that the MCU is dead? No. Does that mean that we're not going to have strong female leads in the MCU anymore? No. Does that mean that Marvel missed the mark with the target audience? No. None of that, none of that is true. What it does mean is that Disney is going to take a step back. Marvel's going to take a step back. And they're going to reassess, one, 
budgets and how they go about budgets. They're going to reassess um, the time frame for putting these movies out. They're not going to stick to a set date anymore. And Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, has said this is going to be true. They're going to focus on quality over quantity. So they're going to take their time and they're going to really make sure that the next couple of projects are of the highest quality. And in 2004, there's one MCU movie coming out. That's Deadpool 3. That's it. That's it. Um, So they're going to focus on quality over quantity, which I think is a good move. And I know that both Marvel, Disney, Lucasfilm, and Warner Brothers are paying close attention to Godzilla Minus One. Godzilla Minus One had a budget of about $8 million. Some places report as high as $15 million, but the director says it was like eight point nine. And um, that thing is killing it at the box office. They've made 12 times their budget. And it's all been word of mouth. Fans see Godzilla Minus One, and they love it, and they tell everybody they know. I I saw it. I loved it. It's my favorite movie this year. And um, everyone's paying attention to what Toho did, making a big a movie that feels like a big budget blockbuster with a shoestring budget. And they focused on the story and telling a quality story. And it proves, and Disney needed to be reminded of this. Warner Brothers needed to, needed to be reminded of this. Lucasfilm needed to be reminded that the story is king. And if you tell a good story, it doesn't matter how much you spend. You could spend $1 million. If the story is caliber and engaging and outstanding, audiences will, will respond in kind. They will tell their friends how awesome this was. Go see this. This is great. And that's how Disney, the MCU, Lucasfilm, Warner Brothers, all of the big budget blockbuster studios that's how they are going to win the trust of the audiences back and look you got to look at the other projects that were released this year you know everyone says quantum manium uh quantum mania was a flop it wasn't it actually it's in the top 20 movies actually the top 10 movies of 2023 um the the number one movie was barbie followed by Super Mario Brothers, followed by Oppenheimer, um, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy 3, followed by Spider-Man across the uni- uh, across the Spider-Verse. But, you know, there were other movies that were huge disappointments in terms of box office reception. You know, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny just did not perform to expectations. And, you know, the Marvels did it. And um, there were several other projects that just from the major studios did not perform to expectations. And the lesson is 
let's focus on the story, not on the visual effects. Let's invest the budget into the writing and the acting. And let's focus more on practical effects, less on digital artists who are overworked and underpaid. And that is the formula to succeed. I have a feeling, this is just my gut feeling, that when the Marvels comes to Disney+, Plus, it is going to blow the walls off that streaming service. I predict it is going to be one of the most watched movies in the last year, in the last 12 months. A lot of people are waiting. A lot of people are going to be more than happy to sit down and watch it at home. And I think Disney is going to see this huge response. Unfortunately, they don't make money from streaming. So that that ship has sailed. But um, the other lesson that Disney and Warner Brothers, HBO Max, now just called Max, is going to have to learn, they've got to delay the time between theatrical release and streaming release. It needs to be six months to a year before it's on digital and on streaming. And that's what that's what Tom Cruise insisted on with Top Gun Maverick. And it was one of the highest grossing movies of 2022. And it stayed in the theaters longer than any movie because he said, nope, it's not going to streaming for at least six months after the theatrical release. So I think there are a lot of important lessons here for Hollywood to learn. And the Marvels in and of itself was not the problem. The Marvels revealed the problems as a whole. And it showed what needs to be fixed in the industry to be successful. So um, if you haven't seen it yet, go, you know, when it comes out on, well, if it's still in the theaters, go see it now. But when it comes out on streaming, definitely check out the Marvels. I think you're going to like it. So that's my review and my analysis. Uh, we got a couple of comments here. Um, we got J.M.A.N. James says, how is your night, man? My night's good. My night's good. I'm uh, actually going to call it an early night tonight and because I got a big day ahead of me tomorrow. Woo! Open enrollment. Two days left in open enrollment, and I'm just on the phone nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Um, and then I'm starting training a um, a good uh, or a new um, tour guide. So um, that's happening this, this weekend. And um, anyway, this, this Saturday, our live stream Saturday morning, we're going to be talking about my all-time favorite animated movie, The Little Mermaid. Yes, The Little Mermaid. There you see her sitting in the blue lagoon. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that movie and um, prizes from the cereal box. I've got a new cereal to taste test. So tune in this Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And uh, if you like what we're doing, with the uh, broadcast and, and the networking in general, in a general, first day with my new talk, you can tell I'm tired. Um, Patreon.com slash 
cereal box podcast. You know, you can donate one or two dollars as a tip in the digital tip jar. You can become a cereal boxer or a box top at five or ten dollars. And at the five dollar level and higher, you get exclusive content like Wednesday Night Bites and like Back to Issue Breakfast Club. And you qualify to win and get free merch. So um, anyway, check it out. And uh, if everyone who is a fan of our page would, uh, or, or of our YouTube channel, would just donate one or two dollars a month, holy crap, there would be nothing we couldn't do. And we can do that with your help. Do we deserve it? No. Do we expect it? No. Would we really appreciate it? Yes. We would love that. Now, before we go, I do need to uh, recognize one of our partners, Comic Books for Kids. Check this out. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit CB4K.org. CB4K.org. Check them out. Um, that is it for Wednesday Night Bites this week. Um, next week, it will be only available to our Patreons. Patreons? Patrons on Patreon. So um, make sure you become a subscriber um, and um, get exclusive content, first peaks, Um Join our chat on Patreon and um, and more. There will also be exclusive audio episodes only available on Patreon.com. Well, guys and gals, that is it for tonight. I hope you guys like this show, Wednesday Night Bites. And if you do, drop a note, drop a comment, let us know. And until the next time, love you, mean it. We'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.